Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World, welcome to another edition, a two-timer with us edition today of FNO InsureTech. I am Rob Beller, also known as Lee Boyd's helper. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Assistant. Thank you. Admin. And all around (laughs) support. I'm your support. Yeah. I'm a one-man support group for you. I, I I like that, Rob. Thank you. You are. You're like a therapy session every time I talk to you. <laughs> you giving me the therapy or me giving you the therapy? Both. It goes both ways. You here. think it goes both ways? Yeah. Okay. So you're trying but, to tell me you go both ways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I yeah. would have never guessed. But well, uh, not that there's anything the matter with that. Sometimes sometimes you need the therapy and sometimes you need to to give the therapy. Um Today, I, I wonder what I need. Today, I think I need the therapy. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. You, you did. We, we, yeah, we talked earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Lee and I were um, comparing our lists of things to do. His is much longer, just so everybody knows. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what was on the list? What's that? A podcast. Yes. And as a matter of fact, what a coincidence, because we're doing one as we speak. And we that blows even, my we mind. We didn't even know it. I had no <laughs> way of knowing that. A lot of people, that's the feedback we get from a lot of people. They'll say, you know, I listen to your podcast. And did you realize you were doing a podcast when you were doing it? <laughs> it just sounds like a normal conversation. It just sounds like a couple of Yoko's, yeah. uh, you know. In fact, today, today our guest was like, "So, you know, what are we going to do?" I said, "We're we're going to chit chat." Yeah, we're going to we're going to chit chat. Uh-huh. And he was like, "Oh, uh huh, okay." In fact, in fact, we have a two timer with us today. Like I said at the top, Dan Woods, founder of Socotra, big name, big name in the insure tech world, mm-hmm. very wonderful, successful, uh, um, dominant in their in their category. Um, quite a story and he's back for a second time he is we had the the privilege of talking to him almost two years ago right before our 100th episode and and we we got to know him but now we're we're, we're two years in you know we're, we're two years in we wanted to talk to him we wanted to learn what's going on what's new out there uh all of the things you were thinking about are those still out there and that's what we do today we have a good long conversation it, it, it'll be a great one today. We're going to, you're going to learn today about a lot of really interesting things. And if you're somebody who has an interest in insure tech that runs to the, I don't want to say philosophic, but this is, this episode today is about much more than a brand. It's about a way of looking and defining insure tech and looking at and defining what it is, what it should be what it shouldn't be and yeah. uh, lots of great th- uh, deep thought. Um, and so when we get to the deep thought portion, you'll know it's not Lee or I because <laughs> neither of us is capable. Because we're a surface. 
We're surface we're not, people. We have no capacity for a deep thought, do we? <laughs> not, not right now. Uh-uh. Not no. right now. Uh-uh. In fact, any deep thoughts we have are attributable to other people. Yeah, all all 200 plus guests. All 200 plus. So instead of listening to Lee Jibber Jabber, yeah. we will get right to our interview with Dan Woods, the founder and CEO of Socotra. Hey, everybody. We are here with our special guest today, a two-timer, his second visit to our podcast, although it's been a long time since the first one. And so years. we've seen Dan Woods, the CEO and founder of Socotra, at conferences. We've seen his company at conferences. I mean, obviously, a lot has changed in a few years. So we wanted to catch up with him and let you all hear about what's new with his company. So welcome back. Yeah, good to be here. Welcome back, Dan. It's great to have you. And today you're coming to us from Austin, Texas, right? Yes, indeed. Nice day in Austin. Actually, yes, it is. I mean, I was in Chicago for the holiday weekend, and it was a bit more frigid. And then yesterday, it was it was fantastic. It was seventy eight. I've been in the office all day today, though. Before we started today, we talked a little bit of baseball, a little World War Two, a little World War One. Dan has some great stories. Um, I wasn't there. Not <laughs> <laughs> my stories. No, but we saw we saw some amazing things and some amazing stories about his family and their service that they've given to this country through the years, and it's we're amazing. appreciative for that. As am I. But today we're here to talk about the little company that you founded a few years ago. The well, not so little company. A lot less little than the last time we spoke. <laughs> but no, it's indeed. no. But we're playing in the land of giants when we're in insurance. So you know, being a hundred and some people is. When, when there was a day when the, when the company was one person, it feels like a lot, but then mm-hmm. you get reminded just how big this industry is. Yeah. It's vast. And before you came in and founded Socotra, what were you doing? Were you an insurance guy? No, I, my background is pure tech. I mean, I, that's why I studied in grad school, computer science, AI, machine learning. And then I was at Palantir for quite a while. I was the I was the 20th employee at Palantir. So I got to see that from long before they had customers to, I think there were 850 people when I left in 2012. Um, after that, a great place to be for that in-between period is um, did a bunch of consulting, venture capital, did some angel investing and so forth, and explored what was out there. And I was just, uh, particularly after the experience at Palantir, I was just really fascinated by the idea of data Mm-hmm. but with a different take on it. People talk about data all the time, but not enough do they talk about the mechanics of how to accomplish their dreams of what to do with the data. What I mean by that is, like you think about something like, to make a metaphor, think about YouTube. YouTube was founded in what, 2003, I think, four. There's nothing they did that we hadn't already thought of in 96. So why wasn't YouTube founded in 96? Was it about the idea? No, it was about waiting for the infrastructure. Mm. Mm. And people get that. They understand that you can't have a YouTube until you lay fiber and have routers and solve the last mile problem and all those sorts of things. They get that. But when you're dealing with the data problem, the it's it's not as obvious because the things that are missing aren't necessarily physical things that you see like fiber optics and routers. Mm. What you're missing is well thought out data models and APIs 
there are digital infrastructures that need to be created. That's, that, that's, that's code. It's software. And creation of these things is what I'm, what I've become really passionate about mm -hmm. um, because there, there's a lot of great ideas out there. I mean, you know, couple insurance people and tech person can, you know, sit down at a coffee shop and sketch an idea on the back of a napkin of um, how we're going to take this data here, combine with this data here, give this user experience and so forth. But then sometimes they often assume that because I thought of it and put it on a napkin, I must, you know, be able to just snap my fingers and, and it'll, it'll right. happen. And there are so many, I think of it as infrastructure that's needed. And you think about something like Docker, for example, what is Docker? It's infrastructure. I mean, it's software, but it's infrastructure and it's extremely powerful infrastructure and VMware before Docker mm -hmm. that has greatly increased our ability to develop and, and deploy systems. It's not, it's not infrastructure you can see, but it's very real. And when I looked at the world, I saw every industry is going to be turned upside down by data and every industry is going to need better infrastructure. Mm. So is that what you consider Socotra? Oh, absolutely. The heart of Socotra is the data representation of the policy because it turned out no one had, I don't think it, anyone had really thought about the problem before, or at least not in those terms that someone needs to make a proper data model for a policy that's flexible enough to be configured to handle any insurance policy that um, has APIs so that you can connect to and do things on and so forth. They can connect well to other um, operations and so forth, like rating and claims and underwriting and all sorts of things. And most importantly, that's productized, meaning all the documentation is right on the website. You can get an email license and try it out. Here you go. Take it. Just like a real grown-up piece of software. And that was that was sorely missing in the insurance industry. So you saw this data play that was coming. Well, I saw a data play that others were going to make, and I saw there are going to be data plays made all over, and they don't have the infrastructure yet. Someone has to build it. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be accomplished with the, with the incumbent IT available mm -hmm. in this industry. So that became your mission? Absolutely. Uh -huh. Why insurance? The answer sounds good on a TED stage is that I saw a combination of three things in this industry that, that were really compelling. I saw an industry that was completely data-driven. They don't make or ship anything. All they do is collect, organize, store, and analyze data. That's it. Insurance is data. Their IT is horribly outdated. It's, just, it's terrible. And they have a lot of money. <laughs> this is an unstable combination. You can't be completely data-driven, meaning IT makes a big difference in your ability to operate and be failing at that and have a lot of money. That's, that's unstable. Someone needs to come in and do something. That's the top-down analysis. The bottom up, the practicality is I was looking at a lot of things and I saw a specific opportunity. Mm -hmm. I wasn't looking at all the industries. In fact, um, if you had, if I had analyzed the industry, I probably wouldn't have chosen it because if you took a look around in 2013, when I was first looking at this problem, it looks like there's loads of vendors and you go, you look at the websites and it looks like it's a real mature piece of software and so forth. It's not until someone actually tries to use it that they realize the emperor has no clothes and it doesn't work as promised and it's not real. It's not a real product. It's customized for every customer and things like that. This is, these are things that I could never have discovered if I had simply, you know, sought out and said, let's list the 10 largest industries. Let's figure out which ones would be, you know, let's assume they'll all be turned upside down by data. Let me look at the options right now. So the reality was I was 
I was consulting, doing investing and so forth. And I heard about a private equity firm in San Francisco that was buying up, doing an insurance company roll up. And they had raised a significant fund and they started buying companies. They built an insurance consulting firm, all of these things. And they told their investors that they were going to give their um, portfolio companies great technology. It was a cornerstone of their plan. And they went, raised money, built an insurance consulting firm, started buying companies. And uh-oh, the software they assumed existed, turns out it doesn't exist. Mm. It was a great back of napkin plan, to mm-hmm. be sure. Mm-hmm. The infrastructure wasn't there. And then they, they were up up some kind of creek, I could say. Yeah. And I got in touch with them. And it became really apparent that there was a company to be started here. And they gave me access to expertise. They own an insurance consulting firm. They gave me access to an initial customer that was actually in an emerging market. So it was kind of an under-regulated place where we could experiment. For example, we could go live with things without everything being totally fleshed out. And if Uh it meant more manual processes or more delays, it actually wasn't any worse than the status quo anyway. So these are all the things that it brought us. And we hatched this idea of a company that they could support it and it gave us all these things and it it gave me the insight the insight is the most important thing right the insight that all the technologies out there that if you just googled insurance technology there is not a single product on the market there's not a single i mean you you know who the big players are try to get an eval license from one of them try to go to one of the websites and see what figure out what they actually do you know, yeah. like we, I mean, I don't mean just some high level, like we do claims and policy, but yeah. you know, like find some documentation. Mm-hmm. It's we, a wasteland. Even we, today it is. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because that's part of always part of our homework is we go to the guest website and see what we can find out about the company to do, get a deeper dive into it. And no, you're absolutely, you're 100% correct. Right. It's, not, yeah. it, it's gotta be frustrating for you guys. You have these guys on the hard. show and tell us, what do you do? Not an uncommon question, sadly, but that's more a function of our capability than, than it is anything else. I, I do want to ask, you know, two years ago, we did a, a interview with you and you said you wanted to come in and not just be a, a, you know, insurance tech company, but you had visions of being like a huge IT company. Is that still yeah. your mission, your drive? Our mission remains the same. In fact, I have this, I keep this on my desk here. All of our employees have it as a little mission statement here. We will make high quality insurance technology, basic utility available to all. And it's got a little background. It's like a power outlet. Yeah, a little outlet on there. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. And that's what we think about. It. It's just like, it's like, this seems to be like a utility. It's not just software as a service. Mm-hmm. It's software as, as a utility. It's infrastructural. Right. It's, and, and it's kind of uncool. What's cool is what you do with it. And right. what you build on top of Socotra is what's cool. And so in terms of the size and so forth, like we're, uh, the vision is to, that is the vision. Yeah. And in doing so to build a, you know, a large and successful and, you know, eventually profitable company and eventually public and so forth. That's the vision for it. That's the vehicle for achieving that mission. That's where some similarity to, to Salesforce. I'll also mention though, and I think the, some of the parallels run deep. For example, something I alluded to earlier is well, certainly the productization component. Like you can go to Salesforce, you can read all about the documentations right there. Right. Socotra, socotra.com, click documentation, and you'll have access to every piece of information about our product that our customers have and our partners have. It's, it's, it's right there. And 
that should not be impressive. Salesforce has been doing this for how long? <laughs> yeah, but it is. It is so impressive. That is not done in our yeah. vertical. I mean, you even don't get Salesforce. go back to the, you know, go back to the nineties, you know, Oracle, you buy a copy of Oracle five or whatever, yeah. 1990, whatever. And it, here's the documentation. You go to the, you know, Barnes and Noble and read a book about as yeah. thick as your head telling yeah. you how it works. Um, there was no mystery about it. You knew exactly what you were buying. So this is, this is the promise of software from day one is you're dealing with something you can write once and replicate, but it only works if you're truly replicating. If everyone's on the same version, when you, when you go to customizing for every customer, which is what everyone else does in this space, uh, in this space, I'm talking policy admin. There are some great products that, that are partners of ours and so forth doing things other than policy admin to be clear. Right. But when you're customizing, you lose that benefit. Now you've got to maintain that specific thing. You know, now you're building software like you're building houses. You want three houses. You got to do three building efforts. You want a Salesforce wants three more customers. All right, here you go. Create three new accounts. Here's your, here's your login. And to do that though, that is a masterful piece of design. What they've had to do is they've had to abstract out the essence of sales itself, completely absence, absent from, from context, meaning it understands the notion of a lead, an opportunity, a conversion rate, a forecast, these sorts of things. But it doesn't matter if you're selling real estate and I'm selling uh, enterprise software and someone else is selling insurance policies. Right. Run the exact same Salesforce to customize for no one. It's just, it's just configured differently. That's the right model. That's how mm -hmm. software is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So I take a lot of inspiration there. And the second place I take a lot of inspiration is around the ecosystem that they've created. Mm. So the term ecosystem is getting a lot of bandwidth right now yeah. because people know it's important. But it's a good but word. It's a great word. It makes, you know, you're, you play well with others and, and, and so forth. That's great. But like, what is it similar to the way I talk about <laughs> functionality? It's like you, you drill in a little deeper and say, what do you mean when you say ecosystem? Now, Salesforce, I know what it means. They have the app exchange, right? So we use Salesforce, we use HubSpot. We connected the two of them together. You know who connected them? Our marketing department. <laughs> they installed the app. Now they're connected. That's ecosystem as it relates to us. Um, at ITC this past September, we did our formal public release of the um, the Socotra app marketplace, and it's 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 very much the same thing. And it, you know your your viewers can go to go to marketplace.sakocha.com and you'll see all the apps there. And right now I think there's, there's 14 of them and you can click on them, see the info and so forth. And, um, I see, I see, I see Rob turning right now. Maybe you're look pulling it up, but you'll, you, you can see those apps and it looks very familiar. It looks like you're, um, like Salesforce app exchange or like, um, like the Apple app store or, or Roku or you know, take your pick. Yeah. Pick your app, add it, and so forth. Obviously, you need to, um, it's going to prompt you for your Socotra login. That only makes sense. But any Socotra user can do it. App marketplaces are the strongest engine for innovation in software. Mm. Yeah. It's I like so that. powerful. So powerful. I've talked on the podcast before about my son. My son is, is involved in a SMS for e-commerce company. He's mm -hmm. a co-founder. They've had tremendous growth. They've done very well. Their whole business, they are an app on the Shopify marketplace. There you go. Right? They've grown a big company. 
as an app on a marketplace. Mm-hmm. That's just to an old guy. That's just an amazing thing. So yeah, I mean, it's it's vital, right? Well, it's not just that. What it's doing is it's it's drastically reducing switching costs. Mm-hmm. If you want to switch from being an Uber customer to a Lyft customer, vice versa, what's your switching cost? You you you, you install a different app, right? Mm-hmm. You can side by side things. It creates high switching cost is such a barrier to innovation. It breeds complacency. And the more that you can switch things out, and this is why we're entering, we're entering, frankly, the rapid connection age of insurance IT. That's what I think is going to mark the next five to 10 years in insurance IT is it's going to be moving away from the monoliths and towards ecosystems, call it best of breed, call it service oriented architecture, whatever it is. The point is that the needs of the modern insurer have far outstripped what any one vendor can provide. It's outstripped what any one vendor can provide well a long time ago. Yeah. But now that the, the charade is over, there's one vendor simply cannot provide everything an insurer needs. So what do we do then? Best of breed is no longer just a, a cool way that can get the best of this and the best of that. It becomes a necessity because one vendor can't provide it any more than, than, you know, Apple is going to create your Uber app and your social network and your so forth on your iPhone. So you've created a platform that these, that these innovations can fit on top of. Absolutely. Or, or I don't, I don't think of them as on top of, I mean, we've got, we've got various conjunction with Paul Varus can ask him if we're operating on top of Socotra. Um, (laughs) um, But they're along with, yeah. But the point is they're connected. I don't think of Uber as running on top of my phone either. They're connected. And the connection, the, the, the connectedness component is extremely important. And I don't think people have the, I don't think most people, have the faintest idea of what it takes to get there because they're 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 still in the idea of that if I can sketch it on the back of a napkin it must, it must be possible and the the infrastructure required to do that because you can't build an app marketplace until let's go down let's go, let's go to square one unless everyone's actually running on the same thing I could build so Salesforce can build an app marketplace or an app exchange as they call it uh, because my Salesforce is the same as yours. That's the whole thing here is that you you have one platform. You're not customizing it for each customer. Exactly. Yeah. Because you can't build a general purpose connector until you have generalized the thing that you're connecting to. Yeah. And when we look at the landscape of policy administration, they haven't even done that. That's square one. Yeah. Square two is how about opening up some APIs so people can connect to you? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, once you have that, I mean, that, that opens up a whole world. But even with that, there's still a lot you have to do. If I want to connect two things together, um, I, I want to connect two apps together uh, or two, two platforms, I still have to you know, probably have an AWS account or, or a Google Compute Cloud or, or, or Azure. And I have to obviously write the connector. I have to manage my configuration. I have to manage credentials. I have to do logging. I have to do monitoring. There's actually, to build a connector, 
is actually its own service that has to be built and maintained. Mm-hmm. So the next step after open APIs is to create a proper an app infrastructure so mm-hmm. that instead of building all that, I can just write an app and upload the app. And those things are handled for me. Wow. And that's, that's the heavy lifting of what's behind the app marketplace is the ability to create uh, an integration just by creating it, it, it's literally a container upload the container and now and now you it's in your library and you can just you know you say okay i want to attach it to my production environment my staging environment and so forth and yeah. then after that is creating the actual marketplace which is really just a library of those things mm-hmm. which is like you know one percent of the work after mm-hmm. you've created the, the infrastructure mm-hmm. boy i get a kick out of is oh everyone's got a marketplace today any of the incumbent people go to their websites, you know, don't go to their websites, just by culture. But if you, <laughs> if you go to the websites, you know, not you, but someone else went to their website, well, you'd, you'd, you'd find that they all have marketplaces and you go to the marketplace and you see logos everywhere and you see case studies and you, you see, you know, things describing what they've done together and so forth. And at a cursory view, you see a lot of similarity, but they couldn't be more different. Because what you're talking about with the incumbent, you know, quote unquote marketplaces is they're great. They're logos. You signed uh, some kind of a marketing partnership agreement so you can exchange logos. Maybe there is a case study because someone wrote a custom integration between their custom instance of your thing and something else. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe someone could take that code and, you know, rework it or something, give you a custom version of it as well. But you're still living in the land of custom software in this, this development these these levels of development you haven't gotten to square one which is everyone using the same thing and to act like you've got a marketplace when you don't have that it's 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 marketing yeah and so when you when you take all of this to market i'm interested in the kind of in a couple different parts of that um what kind of reception are you getting sound i mean it sounds to me you'd have to do a lot of educating yeah you know what's funny is, yeah, there's educating, but so much of it is just pointing out what people already know. Mm. What do you mean by that? Software should come with instructions. You should be able to just go to the website and read about it before you buy it. I like that. You know? I like that. A marketplace that's just a bunch of logos isn't a marketplace. I mean, it, it, simple things. Cloud, people think... There's so many people who are selling cloud or SaaS and all they've done is taken the same old legacy stuff and installed it in AWS and they mm-hmm. say it's cloud. No, 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 no. I like to say that's like, that's like putting a power generator across the street with an extension cord and calling it a grid. <laughs> cloud is not just a rent versus buy decision on your servers. It's not just the servers running in another building. Mm-hmm. It means I, I make it really simple for people. I say like cloud is when the vendor doesn't have to schedule the upgrades with you. <laughs> I see. Right. They you just know, happen. Gmail's never said we're upgrading. Come back. <laughs> Gmail's <laughs> like if, and, and if you anyone who's on an infrastructure like an like an Amazon, Google, or or um, Microsoft can make it so if there's a load, it's spin up servers automatically. Multi-site automatic failover. I mean, these are these are infrastructures that these are, these are things that, you know, we've had for, for, for quite a while. And now the new, the newer tooling has made it easy, easier and easier. But if you're not, if you haven't started with square one, which is actually having a product, then you, then you, you, you miss out on so many of these things as well. Um, but the point being, 
It's amazing how often I give this message about cloud and say cloud is when the vendor doesn't have to schedule the upgrades with you. G- has Gmail ever scheduled an upgrade with you? And you just see the lights go on. Yeah. You're telling them what they already know. They're making those connections. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be known as the policy admin that's modern so mm-hmm. much as I want to be known as the modern software company that happens to be doing policy admin because that's where we cluster ourselves. That's who we compare ourselves to. Right. Our heroes are AWS and Salesforce and Twilio and Stripe and Snowflake. These are our heroes. You're a software company. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, they're all, they're all, we're a true software company. We're a true cloud company. It's, I mean, there's true software companies in the eighties, but I'm just saying that like, that's the standard we hold ourselves to mm-hmm. is yeah. the, the, the consumer standard. When you go, you, you name any software company you can think of that's not insurance only, go right to the website and you can find all the documentation. And, right. and the cloud just keeps working. And, you know, no one asks, hey, what version of LinkedIn are you running? I mean, these, these questions don't even make sense. Yeah, that, yeah uh-huh. that's so true. Uh-huh. One thing I wanted to ask you, you know, two years ago, we interviewed you and, and mm-hmm. you talked about outsiders coming in to spaces yeah. And it was outsiders who who change things because they view it differently, right? Apple with the phone and and all sorts of different yeah, things. Yeah. It's only Tesla, SpaceX, Tesla, right? They're all outsiders. They're they're, yeah. they're coming in. Are uh, you still an outsider two years into this? Ah, yeah. Well, first off, to, to be clear, it, it really is a cross pollination of insiders and outsiders. To be clear. Okay. Okay. So you're not comparing because true outsiders, I mean, you can't build, <laughs> you couldn't build a Tesla without someone who's built a car before, you know, right. Or a rocket, do, perhaps you might have needed a, a little someone. help. <laughs> not, um, so it's really, you know, the right, the, the, the right, the right confluence okay. of the two, mm-hmm. because the alternative is all insiders. Right. And if you, if you use the same people who built the last thing, you're going to get more of the same. Mm. We have so much insurance expertise at Sakosha. We didn't early on. And that was almost by design. Well, I told you about the very beginning. We partnered with a, a there's an insurance consulting firm that we partnered right. with that allowed us to really concentrate on, on engineering. And it's a very delicate dance because the subject matter expertise is so incredibly important. So there's important. so many nuances in the industry. There's so many. I mean, it's enormous. And I knew that from the onset. I just didn't know what the expertise was. I didn't know what little gotchas they're going to be in building and what and whatnot. I didn't know what they were, but I knew they had to be right. there. This industry is huge. You know, these incumbents aren't spending many hundreds of millions on their on their core systems for, you know, because it's easy. But it's very, very important to us not to lose the identity that from an engineering perspective, we are coming from the outside. We are coming from the realm of mm-hmm. Of you know, we we hire from Google and Microsoft and Oracle and Palantir and VMware and um, places that have that know how to build software. They really really know how to build software. Mm-hmm. And I see us very much as a bridge. It's not an either or. It's it's a both and. It's 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 got to be to to accomplish these things. So we were at ITC and your booth was happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was going off. Yeah. It was big. You had a lot of people working there. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, but these conferences have no shortage of big empty booths. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the crowd inside of your booth indicated that there was something going on. 
Yeah. And talk about the excitement around the company now. Yeah. Oh, gee. Uh, Um, so much to talk about. Well, obviously the app marketplace was huge. We had, we had, we announced the app marketplace on day one. We, 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 we bought out a room and had a half day workshop and, and demoed it on stage. That was really exciting. That got people going. We had, we had a little bit of a marketing campaign ahead of that. So people knew it was coming and it was no mystery. A year ago at ITC, I demoed the beta and said, next year I'll be out here and this will, and this will be, this will be live. Of course, then I had to turn around and say, guys, it's gotta be live. A minimum of six apps. I promised it. And they delivered 13. Um, so what we did like at the booth, we had a little, um, well, it wasn't that little, but we had a, like we had a screen we could do our, we had our own little stage uh, to, to present and we had a schedule. So we might have our partners at uh, five Sigma come at 10 o'clock and then at 1030 it's very risk demoing. And then it's relativity six. And then, it, you know, and they, they'd come and they, they, we had a schedule there and they came over and they would demo their product and their app in Socotra live with, with, with audiences. That's so cool. Show up. So it was, it was, it was a buzz. It was, that was, it was fantastic. The reception was, was much stronger than, than, than I could have, than, than I would have imagined both last year and, and this year. So that was, that was amazing. And so many people wanted to partner, wanted to become a part of this. InsureTech is going to, re, it, it's an ecosystem. It's got to be such an ecosystem to accomplish the things we're talking about because, um, and I make no bones about this. I, I'm talking to the, the big, the big players in policy admin. Um, I've spoken to most of the CEOs of them and I'm, I'm really clear about here's what we're doing. There's no mystery mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. We're going after this piece, this core piece. You all make claims workflows. Go for it. We'd love to integrate with you. There are people using our core with duck wire claims, whatever. Um, but <laughs> we, have we have customers who are doing that, and they, they have some they have some tough decisions to make because what they, what they're going to need to do. There's two paths that can go down. The incumbents. One is they can go kind of the Microsoft path. Microsoft was, you know, an, an empire that got broken up and broken up successfully mm-hmm. so that you can use you know, Microsoft Word on a Mac or you can use Google Docs on a PC and you can use a Chrome browser. You get the idea. It broke up successfully. But to do that, the individual components had to stand on their own two legs. And if it couldn't make it on its own, if people weren't choosing to use it, when it had to stand on its own merits, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's, that'll be a difficult path for them. They've got to open things up and, and, and so forth. I don't know what's going to look, I don't know what that would look like, but they have to make it easier for people to say, I know you've got the whole suite, but I only want this piece. They've got to make that easier. The other path and that's the good path. The dark path is if they keep it all in a monolith and they, they lean on, you know, you're already using us for these six services. You should use us for the seventh one. They lean on that means that seventh component, whatever it is, doesn't have to stand on its own. It's a protectionist uh, approach that, that ultimately fails. And then they end up being consultants. <laughs> well, and, and we've seen that in, in insurance, you know, that kind of approach of 
not embracing a cooperative, open yeah. environment. What we haven't seen is we haven't seen the kinds of um, API-driven ecosystems, and certainly not at marketplaces, mm-hmm. to make the, the the value prop just next level for the best of breed solution. Because when you're talking about custom and custom, best of breed fails if you're trying to connect custom to custom. That's just a recipe for having you know vendors point fingers at each other when things don't work and so forth. You uh-huh. have to have components that are productized. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you, you, you implement something, you connect A to B, and there's a problem. Well, you have something to point to. You've got documentation. Is it, is it working according to the documentation? Yes. We'll fix your integration. No? Well, then file a bug. The, the, the open APIs are so much more than just a convenience for engineers. It's, 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 like, a, it's like a contract. Mm-hmm. How so? Oh, it, it's stating, here's what we do. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. the implicit contract is, does it do this thing? If it does, you're getting what you paid for. If it doesn't, file a bug. (laughs) So you said that you've talked with others in in your space, other leaders in your space, and you've said you're going after this definitive core idea. And and that is what? Well, I mean, it's really, it's it's, it's the data representation of the policy. Call it policy administration. Now, the, the old categories are going to, there's going to be a little shuffling of the categories. And I can get into that in the level of detail that you, that, that you want. It's like what constitutes a claim system or a policy admin mm-hmm. system and so forth. Um, but when I look at policy admin, I see an operating system problem. I see an operating system. I don't see it as a service that stands alongside claims and underwriting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, see the, I see it as, as, as the operating system data model around the policy that things like, like, like rating and, and, and workflows such as claims workflows and, and, and portals and things like that. Um, automation and AI, uh, chat bots, whatever can sit on top of like apps. That's why I see that's a lot of what we're bringing is an, an, an operating system approach to insurance IT, which frankly I think is the, is, is the correct approach. The former approach is I think a remnant of, of the days of things being done on paper where the former approach is you have these, you know, kind of delicate towers of functionality that have your data representation all the way up to your workflows in one system. And then you've got your pol- your policy admin, you've got your claim system, and there's so much redundancy yeah. in the data model because the, pol- the, the policy is represented in more than one place. You have one vendor trying to do both the core data model, model representation and the user-facing workflows. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a remnant of... Well, you know, the, the claims department was on the third floor and in 1978, they built a system and the underwriting team's mm-hmm. on the second floor. And in 1985, they built a system. And like, that's what that's a remnant of. No one sat down and made that as a design that the way that you separate claims from, from policy admin. And, and when we think about it in a data centric world, not a personnel centric or, or, you know, <laughs> or geographically within a building or what have you it becomes apparent that different architectures are going to be the future. They're not, they're not wildly different, but it's a mentality. And there are some places where hmm, there's something that was living in claims that think should possibly be an admin or, or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So has there been a, an area of the market that has been more receptive to your product in general? You talk about on your website, you talk about insure techs. I mean, yeah. does that tend to be the where you're finding the most uh, play or what about, but, but you also have some major like nationwide, for example, is on your website. So that's a huge legacy company, incumbent company. 
versus, you know, where do you find yourself? The value of any IT advancement is first recognized by startups. That's just, a, that's a universal truth. Absolutely. I mean, it's true for cloud. It's true for containerization. Open source. Who used open source first? Startups. Mm-hmm. They, they're on the forefront and they get it. They're not encumbered by old infrastructural investments. They don't have their, you know, their IT director who's been there for 20 years, who's who built this thing and, and who's loves it. Whole power in the organization is the right. fact that this is the only person who understands it, right. <laughs> those sorts of things. And, and they're also, they're, they're also, um, they're a bit more risk-taking as, as you can imagine. Um, because they're, well, they're startups. They're, they're, they're going to be more risk-taking for the incumbents. When they looked at a trend, like the ones I mentioned, open source, cloud containerization, or today looking at, at marketplaces as an approach. Um, the first thing they want to know is, is this a fad? Is this cloud thing a fad? Sure. Right. Okay. Startups are doing it, but is it a fad? I mean, really? I mean, I remember, and, and, and fads happen. I mean, I remember when NoSQL was all the rage. And I mean, there are some good places for that, but NoSQL got used in places that really should be relational databases. And uh, just as an example, and then, you know, it, it, it was a, there was an exuberance around it. And then people found out what it was good for and what it wasn't. And, you know, the world, Proceeded. That happens sometimes. And the incumbents are going to go, hey, is containerization a fad? Okay, no, it's not a fad. The next thing they want to know is who are the key vendors? If there's 20 of them, no, 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 we can't. That's, there's been no consensus yet. They want, you know, certainly no more than three vendors. And if there's one, like, okay, open source, who's it going to be? Okay, it's Linux, it's Red Hat. Cloud, you're down to three and AWS is in the lead. And containerization, Docker. I mean, that, that's okay. They want to establish best practices. And with one thing they really want, they want to be able to hire someone who's done it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are, the, those are the things they want. Right. Don't make so, me your test case. You don't make me your test case. Exactly. And, and startups are being you know, more tech forward and so forth. They're, they're more likely to believe with their own eyes. I saw it work. I know it works. Uh-huh. And if it doesn't work, I can iterate in three months and you know, they can iterate quickly to cha- change it. Not claiming it's easy per se, but it's significantly easier than with an incumbent. And um, so we've been fantastically popular with the MGA in, in SureTex. Mm-hmm. I think we signed 28 of them in just the last year and a half. Um, it's we're, we're squarely in the lead there. And that's not something we could have said a couple of years ago. As recently as one year ago, I mean, there were some other players that were that were, were giving us some 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 grief that some we were for your money that we were yeah yeah and it's they just say the consensus has has grown a lot stronger on you know who's really holding the cards and that's been that's been an exciting thing and now the in the incumbents are noticing they're noticing that okay turns out open APIs and cloud and all that that's not a fad we need to do something about it. And I think they're, they're going to get more towards the idea of ecosystems and so forth. That's not a fad. Secondly, whereas there were a lot of vendors, now there's fewer, now there's fewer vendors. What are those MGAs running? Well, the ones with the biggest need are running Socotra. Okay, great. I mean, there, there are still, there's going to be lightweight people who, who really don't, their IT needs are simpler and some of them do write their own. 
Um, but you know, when you, you're doing something serious, use a coach. Great. Then, um, and now they can even hire people who've done it before they right. can hire right. our system integrator partners who maybe done right. three, four, five of these. Uh-huh. Now the risk profile is changing greatly. Mm-hmm. And we've been, we've been seeing, um, a great uptick in the, in the, in the interest from, from, from incumbents who a few years ago, they might've seen it as, as maybe a lab toy. And now they're like, okay, we can run some real premium on this. And do they use it for like, like a nationwide, for example, do they use it for a slice? Is that what they use it for? For well, in the case for- in, in, in the case of Nationwide, and and these are all you know, things you can read about, they launched a new brand uh, called Spire on on Socotra. Um, that brand actually ultimately did uh, did end up getting shut down. So that's um, um, perhaps not the the best example. But but in that case, though, it was it was more of a laboratory sort of sort sort of approach. They were launching something. They, they were, were launching something. something new. They were doing something new. They were trying, they're, they're building their own insure tech. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. And we, we have another example of this in um, Australia, IEG, biggest insurer in Australia. And they launched, uh, they're kind of like an insure tech. And that's um, that, but that one, that one's going strong and going, going fantastically well. Do you do you get play and interest from from carriers and MGA type organizations around the world? We're in Australia, the U.S., and and Europe. Mm-hmm. So you have come a long way in two years. A lot has changed. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, two years ago, there, there's no way we could have called ourselves a standard for for the MGA insure tax. Uh-huh. It was that that space policy admin for for MGA insure tax was was much more crowded, much noisier mm-hmm. than, 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 than it is today. The kinds of conversations we're having with the incumbent insurers is very different. They're not approaching Socotra as something that they can use if they want to, you know, launch something new or innovative. It's mm-hmm. not, right. it's not, it's not for the innovation wing. And, and to be clear, it wasn't exclusively the innovation wing, like um, our work with WR Berkeley, they have a brand Lavalier that were, that were mm-hmm. powering. And this mm-hmm. was an existing brand doing jewelry insurance, mm-hmm. and that's now running on Socotra. And they're using it for embedded, that's and they're powering nice. all of the all the Signet um, properties. That's going to be Kay and Zales and Jared. Oh, okay. um, so you know, you buy insurance at one of those. Um, that's a that's a partnership with Lavalier, which is part of WR Berkeley, and they have um, another embedded application that I don't think I can talk about yet. So embedded is actually, as you mentioned, embedded is, is, is a huge extension of the ecosystem. I wanted um, to touch on embedded. And, great. Talk for a minute about embedded. Talk about why embedded matters to you guys. I, first off, embedded makes, makes so much sense. I've, I've been saying for five years that the, the ultimate step for a lot of insurance products is going to be to just make insurance invisible. People just don't want to think about it. Just as little as possible. Could just, you know, check a box or whatever. And it, the, the big, the big aha moment came for me when I saw what Tesla was doing, selling insurance, you buy the car. It's like, okay, do you want the maintenance package? Do you want the insurance package? It's like, that makes all the sense in the world. The more that can be replicated, any, any, anything that accomplishes that is going to be, um, is going to be, is going to be a step forward. But what prevents it is it's the same thing I was alluding to. It's, it's the connectedness. 
when I talk about insurance entering a rapid connection age, it's not just in the back office where you can use an app marketplace to, to, to connect components like Legos or, um, or even um, build your own integrations if one isn't available off the shelf much, much more rapidly. This is going to happen at the, at the insurance, um, at the business level, the operational level, where an insurer is going to be able to sell its product through the distribution channel of its choice. Um, MGAs are going to play a huge role in this as a larger amount of the insurance premium goes through MGAs. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's, that's a form of embedded as well. Uh, there's someone else's capacity is being embedded within them. I mean, even, even that is showing the trend towards, towards embedded and towards ecosystems. And to make all of this work, you got to have APIs. You've got to be able to move quickly. And what I'm seeing is a future where IT gets out of the way so that when an auto manufacturer wants to make a contract to sell one brand of insurance, they can do that. They can white label it. And the next year up for renewal, they can switch to someone else and they're, they're empowered. Mm-hmm. The lock-in is not so overpowering that they've got to keep a bad deal or so forth. And there can be complacency. It creates enormous efficiency, just the mm-hmm. same way Uber and Lyft keep each other on, the, on their toes. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's very interesting. You know, it's like mortgages. I mean, mortgage, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to get a mortgage when you buy a property, right? And to have yeah. that help up front, have that help up front there. Yeah. But then the mortgage might get sold to somebody else next year, right? Yeah. Or, well, I don't or, know about that. I mean, that, I don't know about like, I sell you a policy, then I sell the book to someone else. I don't yeah. know if there's going to be a big trend towards that. No, what I, I do I, mean is I buy a mortgage from my bank and then maybe the, uh, or I, I, Perhaps I get a bank recommended, it comes through some other channel. Maybe I've got my bank and I'm with Wells Fargo and maybe I get a mortgage through Wells Fargo, but maybe Wells Fargo can say, determines more economical to sell someone else's mortgage product and white label it. I think Mm -hmm. that'd be more the, the analog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I I'm interested in it in embedded in watching certain insure techs like, like root, for example. Mm -hmm. Are, are I think are seeing embedded as uh, a toehold or, or even a lifeline in some cases. It's tough out there. Yeah, there's a lot happening, definitely. And then, of course, the path is getting harder to get for the MGAs and so forth. A lot happening, yeah. Um, before we go, I, I just wanted to get your take on InsureTech as, as an observer, as a participant, mm-hmm. as somebody who's, you know, you got, I mean, five years ago, InsureTech, I don't know, you know that the word was in use much, if at all. I actually checked Google Trends recently, and it was somewhere uh-huh. around between 2015 and 2017. And then mm-hmm. it's been, I don't think it's increased a ton since then. I, I agree with that. We started using it in some of our marketing uh-huh. in 2017. Yeah. So, um, and it was like 20, uh, yeah, around 2017 when they chopped the, the, the E on insure. Um, uh, right. <laughs> ITC is like, oh, <laughs> we already branded ours. <laughs> Give us some thoughts on, you know, where InsureTech, what do you see as the future of InsureTech? Obviously, you have yeah. um, a lot of interest and a stake in, in its future. But you've also seen there's been, I mean, it's a super dynamic marketplace ecosystem, to use your word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's so much going on, so much change is dynamic. Give us some thoughts on the future. 
Yeah. Let's see here. And I don't know how inspired these are going to be, but, you know, talk to lots of people. It won't change how much we pay you for this interview. Yeah. So don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I'll give you a refund if you don't like it. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, um, we've seen that what's happened in the public markets to those, the insure techs that have, have, have gone public. And that's been, that's been difficult. Mm -hmm. And the, the consensus I'm hearing seems to be that, the the unit costs are are when I say unit costs, that's really um, you know tech startup speak for um, the combined ratio. But what what does it cost to actually sell the thing I'm selling you, and am I making or losing money on each additional unit? Mm -hmm. And I'm really reminded of some of the maturation that the internet did in the you know late '90s, early 2000s, when there was all this hype because everything was about attracting users, 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 users. And the idea of how much you're spending to get the users, how you're going to monetize it, and those sorts of things was not as highly considered. We'll figure that out, just get the users. And it looks like there's been some similarity that there was a certain... Now, uh, there was a disregard for, for unit economics. The reason I paused just now is because that sounds like a criticism. And I'm not convinced that it's... A necessary criticism because if you can get the users or get the customers and then fix your unit costs mm -hmm. that may be easier than having unit costs and then getting customers who are already going somewhere else because once they form those habits mm -hmm. then and you they've established their brands because at some point people get tired of new brands once mm -hmm. someone once someone has it and that's the, and that's and that's the tension that's the tension. There's the, like, you look at what happened with the, uh, you know, I'm thinking search engines. You had Excite and AltaVista and, and, and whatnot. And you had Yahoo, which is the one that kind of, you know, hung on. And then you had Google. And Google kind of did two things in my mind to, they, well, they, they looked at what everyone else did. And they did the stuff that had needed to get done. Let's build a good search engine. And didn't do stuff that didn't need to get done. We don't need to catalog the whole internet like Yahoo did. I can't imagine the resources it took. Secondly, they used newer technology. They ran it on, they ran on Linux. And I remember in 99, Linux user group meetings, they're saying, good, the Linux users should use Google. Why? Because they're running on Linux. And that sounds, that sounds silly now, using something because it runs on Linux. But you have to understand, Linux was just thought of as this toy. This idea that there'd be a company actually running on Linux was like, it was, it was amazing. Anyway, the point is that they looked at what was being done, and they used the, the technology and so forth, and they built what is obviously today the leading the leading search engine and the question is, and, and yahoo is kind of a sole survivor i think that could be if they're if they're not careful that's the way that they, those have ipo'd are going to that's where they're going to end up if they're not careful if they can't find a way to convert over their to to, to proper unit economics and so forth mm -hmm. so um, if we use that as a um as a lesson, as a case study, that would probably say that the big dominant insure techs that are going to have multi, multi-billion dollar books of business in uh, 10, 15 years, um, some of them probably haven't been founded yet, or they're very small right now. Mm -hmm. And then for those that are out there, um, I think that they're, I think some are going to make it and some won't. And the ones that make it are the ones that take a really hard look at how they're operating and um, 
and figure out how, how to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. On the tech side, as I was alluding to earlier, the trend is it's going to be it's going to be about ecosystems because it's going to be about taking a disparate pile of technologies that used to be intractable to combine so many technologies and turning them into a cohesive whole. The same way Which like, makes them like, so powerful. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, if if you can combine them into a single idea, place, right. whatever. It's wow. this. What it is. Th- that's right. Then it becomes a your It's it's pulled into one place, and it's it, it's just Dan was pointing at his phone. Phone, phone. By the way, oh yeah, <laughs> um, we're on video, but for anyone audio only, yeah. <laughs> then I'm, I'm holding up my phone here. So this the, the phone is a marvel of best of breed, and the things it can accomplish. This is why it's no exaggeration to say there is no greater engine for innovation in software than an app marketplace. And that's what I think that it's, I think it's going to turn, I think it's going to turn everything. I think it's going to turn everything upside down. I think that the, the people we think of today as big players is going to be the way we think of, you know, Nokia. They were big at the time. Yeah. And but innovative not, at the time. But not here anymore. But they couldn't handle the ecosystem uh-huh. and they couldn't adopt the newer technologies. But the ecosystem uh-huh. is the most important. It didn't uh-huh. matter that, you know, BlackBerry shed the, the hardware keyboard and, and so forth. If, if you don't have the ecosystem, that's it. You know, you're absolutely right about this. And, and I mean, you say what you will about Apple, yeah. the insight of that. For those watching, Rob is now holding his phone up. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding my phone up. <laughs> the insight of getting that proposition, understanding that proposition, right? Instead of having to carry a backpack that your phone was in as well as your other devices that did different yeah. things, right? It all went into here. And so I love your insight. It's it's kind of a comparable view of the whole insure tech world is that, yeah. and I see that, I see that like we were, when we were at ITC, Lee and I were there and we're walking around so many companies, so many things. I mean, if you're a consumer, what do you yeah. do? What do you do? Well, you have to have, you have to buy from something that all fits together, right? Otherwise, otherwise you're, you're making yourself crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be more insurers that are selling where embedded is going. You might go to a take your pick nationwide progressive farm or state farm and make it to the point where 70% of the stuff that you're buying from them is actually someone else. 80, 90% mm-hmm. is actually not their own insurance product. And then what are they, who are they? They own the, they own the customer experience. They own the customer and they own, and they own, they own the customer, they own the experience. And then they own those, their lines, those lines of business, which they determine because of their scale and whatever else that they can do better than anyone else. So, nationwide becoming the MGA, if you will, of sorts, or these incumbents that these incumbents that own a large market or a large slice of the market, that's their real value. Yeah. Well, the MGA might be someone else. I mean, it might be nationwide selling a, I don't know, pet insurance product that's actually provided by another MGA that actually has another funding carrier, mm-hmm. but the, but the, the customer buying it, they don't. They don't care that there's three people involved. They, don't no, even, they, they care that the claim gets processed. They get. They want the invoice in one place. Right. They want one portal where they can view it all. Right. right. That stuff isn't going to be easy. This goes back to the, the this the infrastructure. This is it goes back to the very beginning of the conversation because you can tr- sketch it on napkin doesn't mean you can just do it. 
There's uh-huh. so much infra- to a, a world like that requires so much infrastructure to get that kind of um, uniformity of experience for the customer. Because right now, a typical insurer can't give a customer uniform experience even amongst its own products. Right. Ten four. So to do sure. that and allow them to allow other things to embed, so the customer doesn't doesn't have to worry about which 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 thing which, which insurer is actually providing it, mm-hmm. and enforce the uniform experience across claims. How are the claims going to get wire- routed? That's the problem to figure out, but it's going to be solved. You know. I love that um, the infrastructure is yet to be created. So there's some smart kid out there listening to this thing saying, ah, maybe that's what I'll do. Well, we've created, I think, a fantastic example of the infrastructure. Um, and there's, um, there's but so many other components. There, there's so many. How many software companies got invented because of the because of the iPhone's app infrastructure, it doesn't. Apple then stomp on them. It, they created the grounds for it to to, to grow and thrive. And they created the environment yeah. that they could, that they could yeah. live in. We have partners that do so many different things that are ancillary to the core of technology. They're data providers, or they're chatbots, or they're automation AIs, or various workflows and things like that. And they have to, when they're selling to incumbents. They've got to integrate with these old custom systems. And it's a pain because it keeps them from productizing the connector. Because if they're connecting every time they sell to another insurer, they have to connect to another custom backend. They connect to you know three insurers that are all, in theory, using the same policy admin, but three different flavors. And they've got to build three integrations. And that is an enormous impediment to their ability to grow and scale. Once they see something where they can just write the app, now it, it, it's so much easier to scale and it's so much easier for a new insure tech with a new idea of this is how automation should be done. This is how the visualization should be done so I can see what's going on in the org. This is how ratings should be done. It's so much easier for someone with an idea to have that idea come to fruition and actually get it used by many carriers without them having to go through the enormous friction of customizing the connection for each one of them. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an exciting time the next five to 10 years oh, for I, the insurance IT infrastructure. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. And, uh, it's, and it's exciting to, uh, to know that you're here as uh, as part of it, and that you yeah. guys have you're 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 doing great. It's coming yeah. along. It's coming oh, it's, along. It's been exciting. It's been exciting. That's but people need to. The buyers need to need to. It's not enough for them to get the vision. They have to really understand this bit about the the infrastructure. So, and I, I think I'll finish with, with this: that the reason best of breed has been a nightmare in the past, and I've alluded to most of these points. I'm going to pull them together in one place is that people have tried to build best of breed solutions out of components that are not best of breed ready. Like I talked about the importance of it being actually off the shelf. If you're customizing it, then you can't build best of breed out of it. It's gotta be true off the shelf. And it's easy to know if it's true off the shelf. Off the shelf is when you can just, here you go, try to take an eval license. If I can give you an eval license in like you know five minutes, then now we're talking something that's off the shelf and yours is the same as everyone else's. That's off the shelf. You don't need to be technical to spot that. 
If they say, you know, well, we need five months to configure it or whatever, or if what they give you is just some hard coded example, but doesn't have all the power to do what you want to do, then no, you're just seeing an example. Anyway, it has to be true cloud and cloud as alluded to earlier, earlier, cloud is when the vendor doesn't have to schedule the upgrades with you. It's simple as that. I love that. And third, it's got to be API driven. And by that, I mean, it's it really, it's about open doc. It's got to have open documentation. Go to the website and find the documentation because that's more than just a convenience for the engineer. That is the company going on the record saying, here I am and here's what I do. And that's, that's who you want to buy from. And if you don't, if you don't have that, I mean, there's a reason why go to, go to go to any software, any of these online platforms you can think of. Go to the websites for for Salesforce, Airbnb, Uber, um, of course, Gmail. Um, like any, just name a company. Go to the website. Just go just go and search for um, Airbnb APIs. Search for DoorDash APIs. It'll take you right to the API page. This is a standard. As soon as you get outside this industry, this is it's it's just it's just a standard. This is just, this is real software. If they're obscuring that, they're not made to connect because the rest of the world, unless you're going to tell Google and Microsoft, they don't know how to make software. <laughs> That's how you make software that connects. So even those three things, if it's off the shelf, true cloud and publicly documented, if you've got those three things, there's no limit to the way that you can connect things and, 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 and build them. And, and you're going to have infrastructures that are modular so you can replace components one by one. When you build things that are monolithic, it's like, it's like, it's like you poured concrete. I mean, you got to either rip the whole, you get, you have to rip the whole thing out. Mm -hmm. That's why they never do it. That's why so many right. insurers are running systems that are built in the seventies, literally the seventies. Right. You see it all the time. So yeah, the, the, the juice, so that's how you participate for, for the insurers out there. That's how you participate. Those three things. Uh, and I'll be calling you and testing you on that. So everybody be ready to hear from me. But, right. uh, but what a wonderful, wonderful interview and a great episode. This was filled with such important information for people to hear. And uh, I appreciate you being willing to share it. Like you're saying, I mean, you're, you're, you're an advocate for the open world. And, um, uh, and this was a podcast that, uh, fit that perfectly. So we thank you and, uh, look forward to seeing you wherever that may be. Probably not the too distant future. Thank you. Thanks. You know, you told me about Dan. Yeah. Uh, when you had your, uh, first interview with him. I did. But I don't yeah. know that you made it clear how smart of a guy he is. Oh, well, then I apologize because he is. Wow. Wow. I mean, to, yeah. have, to have a mind like that working in our um, world, and I think it really gets to that point that about being an outsider. And mm -hmm. that changes my – he actually changed my opinion a little bit because I've always been kind of a snob about that you have to have some insurance – whatever, know-how, background, info before you get, you know, before you can really do it here. But that's not the case. But he's shown that that's not the case. Yeah. And I, I think that he showed that, that you can start, you can get going, but eventually you need the subject matter experts to come in and that's what he's done. Right. So I think that's, that's really great. And it's fun. You know, we get to see him on camera. The audience doesn't, but you can just see his wills turning. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he's a brilliant person. Right. Right. And he's just thinking and 
Yeah. And yeah. He, he's, he's a great person just to have a good chat with, even uh-huh. before the podcast started. That was a great conversation. So we say thank you to Dan Woods for joining us a second time. Only three more times, Dan, to get your FNO InsurTech smoking jacket. So you're getting there. We'll, we'll have you back soon. And I think we can see why his company is a big thing when we see it out there in the real insurance world. So thank you, Dan. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Rob. And until next time, we'll say goodbye, everybody. <laughs>